I want you to take your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to the fifth chapter of the book of John, John chapter 5. John chapter 5. I'm glad you're here today. We're going to have a grand time. I, I want to introduce, I have a special guest visiting me today, Dr. Clifton Metter is a fellow that, uh, he's a medical doctor. And years ago, he was the dean at, at a medical school, University of Alabama. But he became fascinated with the study of mind-body which I am. And I began to read his writings and, and it was just fascinating at the things he discovered as the, I knew the Bible taught the, that the mind and the mouth and attitudes affected the human body. And so he's in town this weekend. I got to visit with him the other night, had dinner. I know I asked, I probably wore him out with 10,000 questions, but just so blessed that that the Word of God and science keep running into each other. And I see this over and over now. So it's good to have you. Y'all make him welcome to us. So good to have you with us today. Thank you, brother. And um, <clears throat> he was in active practice. He, he was a professor at the University of Vanderbilt University. Active practice, he was 82 and then slowed down a little bit. Be 90 on his next birthday and still sharp. And he, he, he spoke to me a little bit. He said, you know, now as we, we get older, we need to take care of our health. And I knew what he was saying. And I said, well, I said, I, I exercise and I, I try to eat right. And he said, well, you need to stretch too. He said, you need to do some yoga. And uh, he said, I don't do that chanting and mess, but you need to do the yoga. So we decided, being from Nashville, loves country music, we're going to do yoga to country music. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> so I'm going to get me some of them little tight yoga britches and we're going to do yoga. And I'm going to put my Dolly Parton album on my record player and we're going to do yoga is what we're going to do. And I'm going to live to be 105 is what I'm going to do. Just have the rest time and... Uh, love, thank you so much. All righty. We're, we're spending time on worship. I, I don't want to teach you about worship. I want to just change the way we worship. I want to revolutionize the way we worship from Scripture. And I'm trusting the Spirit of God to speak to us. And so we're spending time about worship. We're going to talk about it again this morning. We're going to talk about the language of heaven. Worship is the language of heaven. You'll never commune with God till you learn how to worship because that's his language. I'm in Honduras years ago. We have a medical team leaving Tuesday from here to go to the hospital. We just finished in Honduras and helped them. I'm in Honduras years ago. We're in the marketplace, the central marketplace where people sell their wares. And I'm walking around with the missionary guy there and we're buying stuff. And we got to the banana lady to buy bananas. I said, let me, let me handle this. I want to try it because I've been working on my Spanish. So I'm talking to this lady and I'm trying to buy bananas and it's not going that well. And I was going to pay more than she wanted. And I said, una dolero. She didn't get, I said, una dolero. And he, he said, bigger, said, she's not deaf, son. She's Honduran. He said, you can say it as loud as you want to, but until you learn her language, you and her are not communicating. So he, he bought them, ended up buying the things. Dylan's, you can scream loud as you want to, but until you learn his language, you can't communicate with him. Worship is the language of heaven. Worship is the language of heaven. We relegated it to something we do in church to get through with, but worship is the language of heaven. We've got to learn how to do this. All right, well, I want to talk to you today about having experiences with God. I believe we should do more than just learn about Him. I believe we should have experiences with God where you can walk off and say, that was Him right there. God just, did, God just touched me. I believe you should experience God. And I want you to see that in Scripture. This is one of the strangest passages in the Bible. It, it's just strange. Jesus is talking to the ministers of his day. They're in, a, they're in a discussion. It's not going well, as it often didn't when Jesus talked to religious people. They're having a discussion. And uh, Jesus finally, he, he says something to them that's just, it's just crazy. And he put it very simple and they wanted to know what the, why he didn't like the way they did church. And he told them, here's why I don't like the way you do church. And he told them, it's in John chapter five, verse 39. He said this, John 5, 39, two verses. You search the scriptures. Did they search the scriptures? It was to be, to be a minister in that day where they were, you had to memorize the first five books of the Bible, which are the big books. They, they had memorized the Bible. They spent, every time they opened their mouths, they quoted scripture. They taught the Bible. Jesus said, you, you search the Bible day and night. You search the scriptures for in them, in the Bible, you think you have eternal life, but these are they which testify of me. What did he say? He said, the, the whole Bible points to me. He said, the Bible's a book about me. Verse 40, but you're not willing to come to me so you can experience the life of God. 
What do you say to them? You study the Bible day and night. You can quote it, but you're not experiencing God. He said, you, he said, you, you teach the Bible. You quote the Bible. You, and listen, they obeyed the Bible. They'd tell you, we keep all the Ten Commandments. They did. Went to church every Sunday. He said, but you don't come to me. You don't, you don't, you're not having experiences with me. What do you hear Jesus saying right here? Is the goal to learn the Bible and obey the commandments? What do you hear Jesus saying the goal of the Bible is? The Bible's supposed to point me to a man that I have experiences with. Can you hear Jesus saying right here, can you, can you not see this as an invitation to you and me? Don't just go to church. Don't just learn the Bible. Get to know me personally. Come to me and have experiences with me. Let me, uh, let, let me help you understand this. It, is, is the goal knowledge or experience? People say, we go to church to learn about God. That's sad. If that's all you do, that's sad. You should do more than learn about him. You should hear his voice. You should experience him. Let me, let me illustrate this. I, I've been married to the same woman 38 years now. Love her dearly. She's, she's my best friend. I, I, this is going to sound crazy. I still enjoy being around her. Amen? Got three amens out of that? It's, it's possible. I, I adore her. We have the best time together, and our jobs are very busy. And if you're not careful when you're married, you're, the responsibilities can start pulling away from the relationship. So, so one of the things we do every Thursday night is, is date night. We, we go on a date every Thursday night. I know you're thinking, what could two old farts like y'all do on a date? <laughs> it, it can be done. We still date every Thursday night. I look forward to it. And uh, usually on Thursday afternoon, I'll call her. She, we'll connect, say where we're going or where you're going to meet me. And we just date every Thursday night. It's great. We even hold hands. We kiss still at this age. <laughs> a lot. All right. So she calls me and says, you know, four o'clock on Thursday afternoon, it's where we're going tonight. I say, uh, I, I don't, I don't want to go off with you tonight. I'm going to go home tonight. And uh, all them letters, you, I've got the letters she wrote me through the years. I've still got them in her drawer in my uh, bedroom. I'm going to go home tonight and read them letters you wrote me rather than be with you. You say, that's stupid. I don't even know that's stupid to read her letters when you could have the woman. What did Jesus say? All you want to do is read about me and you don't want to spend time with me? Or, or I say, uh, let me show you all something here. If I say, she calls, says, when we're going, I said, well, what? I said, baby, do you remember? Where's it? There it is. See that right there? Get the close up. Get the close up right there. See that right there? <laughs> that, I put that in my billfold 39 years ago. That same picture I've been kept. That was her 39 years ago. I'll, they'll bury me with that picture in my back pocket, I hope. Or I say to her, I don't want to go out with you tonight. I'm just going to go home tonight. I got that picture of you. I'm just going to go home tonight and stare at that picture. I'm going to put it on the coffee table and just stare at it and think about you. That's dumb. But you want to know something even stupider than that? Yeah, this is malignant stupid right here. You know something really stupid? Tell her, no, I don't want to go off with you tonight. I'm going to go home tonight and watch a Hallmark movie by myself. <laughs> Has a man ever watched a Hallmark movie by himself? Uh, that really is stupid right there. I'm, I'm sorry. Why would I go to my house and watch somebody else do romance when I can have my own with her? Get it? Why would I pick up that book and read about Moses and how Moses told God, I've got your commandments, but I want to see your face. Why would I read about Moses and his great love affair with God and not want my own with him? Why would I read about David and hit the way he loved God and they talked to each other and they communicate? Why would I not want to do that for me? Do you understand? It's not enough to learn about him and somebody else. I want to know my story with him. I want to experience God. I don't want to just learn about him. I want to experience him. And that's what Jesus said. He said, well, you sir, you're in the Bible day and night, but the Bible is supposed to point you to me and you're not willing to come and touch me is that crazy or what? It's actually an invitation to say, guys, it's not about the Bible. Now you say, we are diminishing the Bible. <laughs> Those of you that know me, do I like the Bible? But to me, the Bible is not about academic study. The Bible is my cell phone to hear the voice of God. That's what it's for.
All right, got it? The purpose of the letters is to get to the man and know you've touched him. How many of you know why the Bible's written? Does anybody know? All right, how many of you know the Bible would tell us why it's written? All right, let me tell you why I thought the Bible was written. When I was young, they drug me to church. That was my first drug problem. I got into a real drug problem after that. They drug me to church and I hated church because an overweight preacher who had an undersized suit on stood up there and screamed and quoted the Bible and talked to us about how bad we were. And you can't cuss, can't drink, can't... I mean, you couldn't do nothing. And, and I just thought, y'all pay for this? All right, I thought the purpose of the Bible was to ruin my life. This is true. And uh, guess what I found out? That's not the reason the Bible was written. The Bible wasn't written to mess my life up. Why was the Bible written? Let's look at it. First John chapter one. There are four verses in the Bible that tell me why the Bible was actually written. And if you miss this, you miss the whole purpose. All right. Do you, you do realize that when Jesus walked on this earth, certain people were closer to him than other people. Y'all know that. He had, tw- he had 70 that went with him. 12 apostles were close. Out of those 12, three were in his inner circle. They were particularly close. They went with him everywhere. Nine didn't. But out of those three, there was one man that was closer to Jesus than anybody else. If you ever see that picture of the Last Supper, this is the guy with his head on Jesus' chest. This is the man that was closer to Jesus than anybody else. His name was John. John, the son of Zebedee. And he wrote this book. This is the closest man. I mean, we can all be, you, you can be as close to him as you want to. And this is the closest man to Jesus when he walked on this earth. And he's writing this. And in these four verses, he tells not just them, but me and you, the purpose of the Bible. If you miss this, you miss, listen to me, throw your Bible in the garbage. If you miss this, throw your Bible in the garbage. First John chapter one, uh, verse one says this, that which was from the beginning, this is John talking about Jesus. We've heard him. We've seen him with our eyes. We've looked at him. Our hands have touched him. He's the word of life. Do you notice the word, word there is capitalized? So we're not talking about a book. We're talking about a man. That's the title of Jesus, word of life. The life was manifest, which means God came down to earth. We saw him. We've talked about him. We're declaring it to you, that eternal life. That's another name for Jesus, which was with the father as manifest. What did he say here? He said, what's he saying? God is real. I've seen him. I've talked to him. I've touched him. I've heard him. And now I want to talk to you about what I've experienced. He's not telling them something he learned in a school. He says, I have talked to the man. My hands have touched the man. Verse three, what we have seen and heard, we declare to you. Isn't that the Bible? I've seen something and I'm telling it to you now. We declare to you that you also may what? Learn about God or have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with who? With the father and with his son. What do he say? I'm, do, I'm, writing, I'm writing this book, not so you can learn about God. I'm writing this book so you can hear the voice of God. I'm writing this book so you and God can have fellowship. What's fellowship? All right, you, you say, let's, let's go to dinner Tuesday night. And I say, well, won't you just give me the money and I'll buy the food? It's not about the food, doc. It's about me and you sitting down and talking and enjoying each other. Isn't that why you go out to eat with people? I mean, if, if it's the food, let's just all stay home and eat cheap. But we go to eat so we can enjoy each other. What do you call that? Fellowship. Churches have a fellowship meal not about the food. It's so we can enjoy each other. What do he say? He said, I've seen God. I've touched God. I'm going to tell him about you so you can enjoy God. And then that great verse, verse four, he said this, and these things we write to you. Did this man write the Bible? You're reading it. These things we write to you that your joy might be full. What do he say? You ever learn how to experience God? You'll find joy like you never knew before. The greatest joy you can know is to experience God, not to go to church, not to study about God in the Bible, not to obey the commandments. Obeying the commandments will keep you from getting killed and they'll keep you married. But that, that's, not, that's not experiencing God. He said, what we're writing here is not just so you can behave. We're writing this so you can get to know God and enjoy it. The purpose of the Bible is so you can touch God and you can experience him. How tragic would it be to spend your whole life being a good person, going to church, but never what? Never experience God. We're here to, we're here to experience him. You say, okay, Brother Brown, I got you. All right, I, I, I agree. Tell me how to get to God. That's what we're here for. 
if I wanted to see God or hear him or touch him or something, if I find out that he was right now, or maybe tomorrow afternoon, because I got to stay here with y'all right now. Tomorrow I find out that he was in a coffee shop in Graham. Somebody take a wild guess at where I'd be. Do you think I'd go over there? Yeah. yeah. Even if I couldn't get at the table with him, I'd sit at another table and just watch him. If I found out God was at a coffee shop, Jesus was in a coffee shop, I'd go over there. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Just tell me how to get to where he is. All right, I'm going to tell you how to get to where he is. Turn with me to James chapter 4. Is that the invitation? Turn back, you've got Peter and then James. James chapter 4. And before we read, we'll read a verse here, it's unusual. Before we read this, let me remind you, who's the book of James written to? It's not written to pagans. It's not written to idiots. It's, well, I'm sorry, I should. I don't know what I was saying. I don't know why I said that. It's written to God's children. You can read the introduction. See, it's written to God's children. What do you think God would say to his own children? All right, it's in James chapter 4, verse 8. Listen to these words. Here it is, James 4, 8. Draw near to God. God will draw near to you. Why would you say that to your own children? How many of you know you can be a child of God and still draw closer to him, draw near to him? All right, let me ask you a question. Who initiates it, me or him? Who goes first? Me. I, if I draw near to him, what does the Bible say God will do if I draw near to him? What will he do? Will he draw near to me? I'm already a Christian. Well, dear ones, I've been married to my wife every moment for 38 years. I remember sometimes we're not near each other. And then there's other times we're, we're holding hands. I got down in some off-the-wall place on the, uh, I forget, Nicaraguan border years ago somewhere for something I was doing for about a week, went without radio contact and didn't even get to talk to her, and she didn't appreciate that. I mean, just because I was with the Sandinistas down here back in the 80s, why would you be nervous about that? And that was a period in our lives where we were married. We were married, but we, we, weren't even, we didn't get to talk. We were a long way apart. But boy, when I got home, I made up for it. You understand? There was, you, you, can, you can be a child of God and not be close to Him and not be in sin. What did He say? Draw near to me, draw close to me, and I'll draw close to you. I'll come to you. So the call is to, to get to Him and draw close. Now, you say, okay, tell me, tell me how to do it. Turn with me to Psalm 100. If I want to draw close to God, do I pray? Do I fast? Do I go to church? Uh, number three is probably not the answer. This is so simple. He, he just makes it, he puts it in a language everybody can understand. Psalm 100. I'm going to draw close to God. What did Jesus say? You study the scriptures, but you won't come close. To, you don't draw close to me. You won't come to me. All right, Psalm 100 says this. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Watch this. Come before his presence with what? Does it say singing? Worship is the language of heaven. All right, if I sing, what will that cause me to do? Come to his what? Presence. Look with me in verse four. Enter his gates. Does that sound like drawing close to him? If you go into his gates, are you getting closer? How do I get there? With what? Thanksgiving. And his courts with? If I want to get close to God, how do I get there? You say, well, do you, do you ask him? Do you pray? What does the Bible say? Worship is what draws you close to God. It's, it's thanksgiving, it's praise, it's adoration, it's worship that'll take you to the presence of God. Don't you notice something in verse two? It said, come before his what? His presence. Well, how can you do that? I thought God was everywhere. How many of you believe God is everywhere? What does the Bible say in Psalm 139? Where can I go from your presence? Where can I flee from the presence of the Lord? If I ascend to the heights, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, even there your hand will be on me. There's no place in this universe you can go that he's not. There's no, he's everywhere. There's no place you can go that he's not. But that's talking about his omnipresence. That's talking about he's everywhere. That's not his manifest presence. His, his manifest presence is when all of a sudden you, you are become aware of him. That's him right there. God just drove close to me. 
All right. How many of you remember what was called the transfiguration? Anybody remember that? Okay. One day Jesus takes his three buddies, James, Peter, John. They go up on a mountain with him and they get up on that mountain and you got Jesus wearing this human body. This is God wearing a human body. It was a disguise. It was. He humbled himself, laid aside his glory and took the form of a man if God had showed up as he really is, none of us would have any free will. We'd be on our faces worshiping him all the time. But he hid himself in a human body. He goes up on that mountain and something happened on that mountain. The God part started slipping out a little bit. And the Bible said all of a sudden he began to glow like his face became like the sun. His garments like they cannot be whitened by. He just began to glow. The glory of God came out. And all of a sudden two guys showed up beside him. Moses and Elijah. Dear ones, heaven's not up there. Heaven's right here. Moses and Elijah showed up and Simon, remember what Simon said after, after doing that Gomer Pyle thing, he said, uh, it is good for us to be here. Let's build three houses and we're going to live right here. And he said, nope. And then that glory disappeared. He came back into that human body and went down. What they saw was the manifest presence of God. Dear ones, the Bible said I can draw close to God. He'll, he'll draw close to me and experience his presence. It's a it's a sudden awareness. It's just you're, just, you're like, we used to have an old song we sung years ago that went like this. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I can feel, I can feel his mighty power and his grace. I can hear the brush of angels' wings. I see glory on each face. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Well, that's not going to church. That's when God comes to church. That's when the presence of God shows up. But how do I get, how, you say, well, Preacher, tell him to do it. Let's see what happens. <laughs> Read verse two again. What does it say? Come before his presence. I've got to go there. I'm the one that initiates it. If I'll draw close to him, he'll draw close to me. All right. Um, I don't know any other way to help you understand this because if I'm your pastor and I, and I teach you the Bible and get y'all to behave and you enjoy the music here and all that, but I don't get you to where you, you touch God and he touches you, I've missed it. My goal is not to teach you the Bible. My goal is to bring you to God and get you into what's called a personal relationship with God. My wife and I have a personal relationship. We're not always together, but we spend time together. I don't know, whether, I just, I don't know any other way to do it except to give you some experiences. All right, I saw this years ago as a younger man. And I realized it's not just about learning. It's not just about studying the Bible. I can actually touch God. I, I can, he can talk to me and I want to learn how to do it. And I heard of other people who had done it. So I began to experiment and practice. I want, to, I want to come close to you. And I won't tell you how I did it. Several things I tried, but I've developed a relationship with him now. And I'm, I'm, I'm just, I want you to understand, I meet him. I get up in the mornings. I'm, I, I'm one of them people I ease into the day. Are you with me? Yeah. Them people that wake up bubbly, you make me want to throw up. Stay away from me till we get. <laughs> I just believe you ought to just wake up slowly and ease into the day. Those of you that get up at four o'clock, why? I mean, if God wanted you up that early, he'd turn the lights on. Why would you get up before he turned the lights on? Well, I get up and you know, I got things. I'm a regimented, I'm old, so I'm regimented. The oatmeal goes in at this time. The toast goes on at this time. This, I just do my thing and peckering around there. After about 30 minutes, I say, I'm going to meet God. And I go to my place that I always meet him at. And I sit down there and I'm just, you know, got this on my mind, what I got to do today and, and this and that. And I just get there and open my, always open my Bible at the same place. Psalm 118, 1. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good and his mercy endures forever. And I just quietly begin to praise him and thank him and adore him and worship him. And his presence comes down on me so strong that it, it just, it's unmistakable, it's undeniable. And I, that I have the time of my life right there. I didn't go out there to study the Bible. I went out there to meet God. And he just comes. And the only way I know to describe it, or I'm, I'm going to put it in five words, that this is what happens when God draws close. Number one, immediately you, you, you're overwhelmed with this sweet, with this sense of peace. The sweetest peace comes over you. And it's just like you couldn't have a care in the world if you wanted to. Nothing matters in his presence. And it's just, it, it's like there's personality in this peace. It's just, you just say, there he is right there. The Bible says in Philippians 4, it calls it a peace that passes all understanding. 
and it will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Number two, you're overwhelmed with this great compassion. It's like the love of, David said it like this in Psalm 42. It's like the love of God came over me like a liquid waterfall of love. It just comes over you. And you just feel, feel so loved by God. Sort of like in Luke 15 when the, the father grabbed the prodigal son and kissed him. And he felt the father's love. You, you just feel the love of God. We used to have an old song came out of the uh, vineyard movement. I can feel the love of God in this place. That's the presence of God when you feel his love like that. Number three, there's this tremendous humility. It's just like when God did that great work for Simon and Simon fell on his knees and said, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. Well, he didn't want God to go away. He was just so overwhelmed that God would draw that close to him. And you just, you're overwhelmed that, uh, an old song says, who am I that you would come down here and visit with me? You're just overwhelmed at the, the humility. Word number four is the word, of course, joy. There's no joy like God. It's just when his joy hits your heart, you just go. I want you to listen to Psalm 1611. The Bible says this, in thy presence is fullness of joy. When God draws close to you, you just say, I have never known this kind of, you can't, you can't hardly explain it. You just have to experience it. How about that? Let me make an announcement. I've been kissing all my life. Same woman for 40 years now. Let me make that announcement too. In my line of work, you need to clarify that. And I love to kiss. We kiss a lot. I'm sorry. I'm just, y'all are my friends. I can tell you this. I could write one of the best books on kissing. I'm just a good writer. I can express myself well. And you could read it and you'd know all about kissing. Are y'all with me? And you'd think you know about kissing, but if you ain't never kissed like I've kissed, you don't know kissing. I don't care how much you read about it. That was an awful illustration, but you just can't explain kissing until you enjoy it. I, this, I probably should just quit while I'm ahead here. You, you cannot explain the joy in the presence of God. You just have to experience it. But tremendous joy. And then, of course, the fifth word is great fulfillment and contentment. Heart, you just go, this is what my heart's always looked for. David said, and the Bible says, and this is true about every human being on the earth, as the deer pants for the water brook, so longs my soul for you. My soul thirsts for God. Every human heart ever created by him longs for God. Not, not the study of God, not the church of God, not the rules of God, God himself. Every human heart longs for God. Listen, Lady Gaga longs for God. So you wouldn't know it watching her. Yes, you would. If you look real close, you can see it. Everybody was created to long for God. They just don't know what they're looking for. So we end up doing what? Even country musicians know this. We end up looking for love in all the wrong places. Dear ones, God's, God alone is what your heart longs for. And until you experience him, your heart will always wonder what's going on there. All righty. I do that in the mornings, but listen to me. You can experience God during the day while you're occupied with your work and, and your duties of the day. I remember reading years, years ago, a man named Charles Stanley. He's 105. He's been preaching all those years. First Baptist Church Atlanta. He wrote a book called The, the uh, Wonderful Spirit-Filled Life. And he said, as a young man, his daddy died when he was two. So Charles and his mama had a rough life. Charles worked his way through college working in a dye factory up in Danville, Virginia. And he said, my, it was my job during the summers and in the evenings. I'd work in this dye factory where they dyed cloth. And he said, I'd be around these huge machines that would do the dyeing. And my job was to feed the dye and keep them running. And he said, they were so loud in there. And he said, I had to be busy doing my work. And it was so loud. And he said, I'd been reading about... It's a book called Practicing the Presence of God by Brother Andrew. And he said, I've been reading that you can experience the presence of God all during the day. And he had Brother Andrew to it. And he said, I began to want to do this. So I began to practice worshiping God as I work with my hands and, and talking to God and praising him and singing to him and worshiping God. And he said, I got to the point where even around those loud dye machines, I could just enjoy the presence of God as I work with my hands. You can, you can do this during the day. It's uh, that, that thing about draw, when God said, draw nigh to me and I'll draw nigh to you, did he put a time frame on it? Did he say only Sunday mornings? 
you can do just I practice this all the time. I just I don't sing because I'm a singer. And I one of the reasons I sing is it keeps your mouth shut. You don't say dumb things during the day. But if you notice, I'm always singing everywhere I go because I practice the presence of God. I just, I am so thirsty for God himself. I just want him to be close to me. Well, worship is the language of God and it's what gets you close to him. You can just have him draw close to you like that. It's, it's the, now you got to learn it. Can I throw you in something crazy here? Thank you. All I needed was one. You can, you can meet God during the night. This past week, I forget the night. Maybe it's Tuesday. Three thirty. I don't wake up in the night. My conscience is clear. And uh, here's how you know it's God when he wakes you up. Immediately, you're just instantly wide awake. Just boom, like that. So it's three, I remember it's 3.30. I looked at the clock and woke up. And I woke up and there was just a song in my heart. Just flowing out. I just... And uh, I, did, I just, for an hour and a half, I just laid there and just sang in the presence of God and just enjoyed him. He said, what'd he say to you? What'd he say to you? Nothing. He didn't say nothing. The whole t- hour and a half didn't say nothing. And a lot of times he speaks, but he didn't say anything. I maybe know you can just enjoy God without talking. Sometimes my wife and I, when we're traveling, she, she doesn't talk much. She, she'll get through the judgment real quick. I'll be there for the first 10,000 years. Sometimes we're traveling, we won't say anything. I'll just, I'll just, we'll just hold hands and ride and not say anything for five minutes. She's not, we're not saying anything. I'm just enjoying being in her presence. And I, for an hour and a half, just laid there and just sang and enjoyed God. Y'all look at me funny. Turn to Psalm 149. Let me show you something. Psalm 149. My point is, worship is not just for the church service. Matter of fact, you, you get to know him your worship will be better out of the church than in the church by the natural inhibitions of a crowd. Psalm 149. I, this is such a wonderful psalm. And th- this is one of those, I just want to show you this to clarify. You can worship wherever you want to. It's a great sign. It talks about worshiping God, praising him. And then it gets to verse five and it says this, let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud on their What? Is it beds? Is he telling you to worship him in the bed? How many of you ever read that verse four? What did he say? Praise the Lord. Worship him in your bed. Worship him during the night. He'll wake you up during the night and just praise and sing and glorify God. And, and you just enjoy it, the presence of the Lord. That, that great blessing there when you just worship God. But I want you to do this. If I teach you the Bible, but I don't teach you how to connect with God, I've I failed. If I get, if I preach the commandments and get you to behaving. But I don't get you to connect with God. I've failed. I don't want a bunch of people to stand in front of him and say one day, well, we searched the scriptures with Brother Brian, but we never came to you and experienced you. I don't want that to happen. I want you to get to know him personally so that you can worship your way into his presence. And listen to me carefully. It, It takes some time. It's a learning process. When my wife and I first met, it was a little awkward to start with, as it is any time. Because, you know, when you first meet somebody, what's a man concentrating on? Kissing. No, not kissing yet. Hang on. <laughs> I mean, you, you're thinking about it, but that's not what you're concentrating on. You're concentrating on not saying nothing stupid to start with. You know, you don't want to screw it up. So you're, you're trying to impress somebody. And you, you just don't understand each other. So you, I mean, even though it takes a long time to meet somebody and learn how to really communicate deep with. Oh, we're at the point now. She, she can just glance at me and I hear it. <laughs> she can speak volumes of one look. But it wasn't that way to start with. We had to learn how to communicate with each other. Dear ones, it's the same way with your heavenly father. Why do you think he calls himself a father? You got to learn how to communicate with him. And I want you to learn how to do this so you can worship your way and live in the presence of God. And any time during the day, I had a situation earlier today, I got a little aggravated about something. They said, what kind of preacher are you? I'm normal, doc. Okay, okay, okay. Bring your nose back down before you drown. Do you ever get aggravated during the week? Okay. You can do one of two things when you get aggravated. You can be condemned what kind of person am I? I'm a Christian. Here I am mad. (laughs) Knock that mess off. Or you can say, I don't like this and this is not right. 
I'm going to worship my way right back into the presence of God. And I don't care if you're in your car, at work, in your house, you can just turn your heart and your affection toward heaven and say, you are wonderful. I give you the praise. and the, You don't have to raise your hands if anybody's around. You can go to the bathroom if you want to. And you can just in your heart begin to thank him and praise him for his goodness and his grace. The aggravation will leave and the presence of God will return. That's called normal Christian living. It, listen, listen to God Almighty's invitation. Enter his gates. Come before his presence with thanksgiving. He, you can come to him anytime you want to. And I want you to learn to practice that. One more thing before we go. I want you to learn how to do as an individual. But you know what else I'd like to happen? I want us to learn how to do this as a crowd. I, mean, I believe it's important to do it with other people. I turn, right, we're in Psalm 149. We're there. Let's read the first verse. Psalm 149.1. Praise the Lord. Let me hesitate. I need to correct something I said that was wrong a while back. I think I said it several times. That I said, fear not is the most off-given command in the Bible. I went back and checked. It is not. I apologize for messing it. It's the second most. The number one given command in the Bible is praise the Lord. That's the most off-given commandment in the Bible. Praise the Lord. Now watch this. Sing to the Lord a new song and his praise. Where? In the assembly of the saints. What do you say? I want you to get together and do it with other people. I want you to worship me with people. So dear, you can have a private life with Jesus, but he wants us to come together as a group. You say, why, why, would he, why can't I just do it by myself? All right. Well, number one, he said not to. But let me, let me tell you why I think why. There's eight people in my family. I got three children, three spouses of them, and me and my sweetheart. There's eight of us. I have a personal relationship with every one of them. I enjoy every one of them. I talk to every one of them. But you know what my real joy is? When all eight of us are around the table. All of us enjoying each other. Now, don't misunderstand me. They don't sit at my table and praise me. I promise you that. That doesn't happen. But I love for my children to be together and enjoy each other. I, listen, to, the Bible does not say when you pray, say, my father. It doesn't say that. It says when you pray, say, our father. I'm sorry. Look up here. You chose God, you got me. I come with the deal. Don't look to your right or to your left. You get the, it's like bananas. You get the whole bunch when you sign up. There is no God apart from his people. I, I, I didn't mean to depress you. But the Bible tells us to praise him in the assembly. I'm going to ask you a question before we're done. And we're going to look at one more scripture. What is the goal? By the way, what's this called we're sitting in right now? You don't know and you've been coming here. This is a worship service. <laughs> this is a worship service. That's why you say you're going to worship service today. Well, our worship starts at 11 o'clock or whatever. This is a worship service. What's the goal of a worship service? I'm going to give you three. I'm going to give you four options. Number one, do we come here as a formality? Because it's Sunday morning. It's time to go to church in America. Is that why you came? Why would you waste your time? Why would you get dressed up if you just go to church? Because it's Sunday. Number two, do we come here and sing because these are our favorite songs? I just like those songs. Is that why we come? Get you a radio, get you a pod thing. You don't have to get dressed up to do that. You can do that at home. Here's my pet peeve. Will y'all bear with me a minute? Here's my pet peeve. Do we come in here to get jacked up emotionally? You want to you ill me off? Get up here and try to jack people up. Come on, come on, get your hands in there. Come on. Come. You start that mess, I'm going to fire you. God don't need your help. The spirit is the worship leader, not you. Makes me want to puke when somebody starts to, you tell me to get my hands up, they're going in my pockets. I ain't putting up that mess. <laughs> All right, option number four. Let me tell you why we, have, why we should have worship services according to the Bible. Here, here's worship service right here. Draw near to God, he will draw near to you. We should come in here to worship for one reason, I want God to touch me today. I want to touch him with my worship and I want God to be in this building and when I leave here, I want to know he was here. If that doesn't happen, we, we, we miss the whole purpose of worship. Worship is to draw close to him. Let me show you one scripture that verifies it. Turn with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 5, this great passage. 2 Chronicles chapter 5. To, to show you in scripture what should happen in a church service, worship service. If you'll draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. 
I'm going to say something and I hope you don't perceive it as critical because I'm really not being critical. I'm really trying to help you. It could be taken, but it's not meant that way. Katie and I moved here uh, years ago. I'd retired from preaching forever. I was never going to preach again. And uh, so I bought me a truck and went to drive a truck. I had the time of my life. I had far better worship services in the truck than I ever had in church. I would get in my truck like on a Sunday afternoon at two o'clock going to Chicago. I'd drive all the way to Indianapolis, Indiana before I'd ever pull over 10 hours. I'd never turn the radio on, never had any music, no talk show, just silence except for that engine running. And I would just worship God the whole time and God would just fill the truck for 10 hours and I'd just enjoy God, have the best time because I always just practice the presence of God. And then, and then I just said, well, I'm going to do that. And I go and see my little family, my little children, my wife, my truck. God is so good. Plus, I don't have to preach no more. I don't mind the preaching. It's when you get off this stage, you get in trouble in this job. However, I couldn't get around that Psalm 149 in the assembly of the saints. So we got to learn to do this together. And uh, I want this church to experience God. If all we do is come in here and learn the Bible, we're missing it. Learning the Bible is good. I'm not saying it's not good. Guess what I do? But we're missing it if we don't meet God. Here's the great passage. I don't know if you're familiar with this. King David is the greatest worship leader that ever lived. He's the greatest musician in world history. And he's the man, I believe, closer to God than any man else because he was the man after God's own heart. And it was in his heart one day, he said to, to the prophet, he said, I'm going to build God a house. I'm going to build him a beautiful house. And that house will be for nothing except the worship of God. He had him a tent. And one day David's walking in his house. He said, it is not right that I live in a beautiful cedar-lined palace and God's ark is out there in that tent. I'm going to build him a beautiful house for himself. It'll be the most beautiful house ever built. And Nathan came back with a word from God and said, I don't want you to build me a house. You're not going to do it. Your son's going to do it. But you can make the offering, the first offering for the house. So he said he did that. And he talked to his son and he coached his son on how to build God a house. And Solomon built a church building. It was called a temple. It's the most magnificent building in world history. The cost today in today's dollars, <clears throat> excuse me, would be $200 billion to rebuild Solomon's temple. It was completely overlaid in gold on the inside. The gold was measured in tons, not ounces. It took 180 laborers seven years to build Solomon's temple. Most, it, of course, it was torn down later, but it's the most beautiful building ever built, and it was built for the worship of God, whole purpose. And this is the first day, they, the Bible said they went in, they put the ark of God, they put the utensils in, and they were going to hold the first worship service in the greatest house ever built for God that David gave the first offering to and instructed his son how to do it. And uh, I want you to look at what happened on the first day they went in their new church and began to worship God. <clears throat> Let's put in at verse 12, the worship service is starting. And the Levites, those are the singers, well, who were the singers? All those of Asaph and Heman and Jethan, with their sons and their brethren stood at the east end of the altar clothed in white linen. Let me pause and say this. Why did the Bible say they were clothed in white? Friend, you don't have to be perfect to worship God. White is always a picture of a pure heart. It's a picture of, of repentance. You don't have to be perfect to worship God, but you can't worship a God with your fist in his face. It just don't, I'm sorry. I can't kiss, go home and hug my sweetheart after I have hurt her. This is not hard, guys. So they're in white linen, which meant repentance. And the Bible said this, having cymbals, stringed instruments and harps, and with them 120 priests sounding the trumpets. Y'all think it's loud in here sometimes? 120 trumpets playing. <clears throat> All right. Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeteers, the singers, were as one to make one sound to be heard in, in doing what? What were they doing? Praising and thanking the Lord. They lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music, and they praised the Lord, saying, Here's the song He is good, His mercy endures forever. All right. So they're, they're worshiping, they're praising God. Would you say that's drawing near to God? Yeah, you saw that. All right, watch what happens. That the house was, that the house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud, because the glory and presence of the Lord filled the house of God. What happened? 
These people met. This place was built for worship. They began to praise and worship God. And when they worshiped God and drew near to him in worship, God drew near to them. And he came so strong, they kept trying to play their instruments, but they simply couldn't because of the sweet, powerful presence of God showed up in the building. I saw this one time. The fellow said, watch this. And it's on YouTube. And uh, they were having a worship service. And the man was playing the keyboard. He's trying to lead them like this keyboard here. He's trying to lead them. And the people were worshiping God. And I saw the presence of God coming there so strong. The guy did all he could to stay up there and play that keyboard. He kept trying, but the power and presence of God was so sweet. He finally just broke down under it on his knees, weeping and worshiping God. It was that strong. That's what we need in this house. In that presence, hearts are healed. Bondages fall off. People cry out to be saved. They meet, that's where you meet God. Dear ones, 2 Chronicles 5 is church. That's what church ought to look like right there. I want to ask you a question. Did they draw near to God with worship? Yeah. Did God draw close to them? What did he say he'd do? This is our goal right here is to meet him and draw close to him in worship. But I'm going to quit by asking you a question. I'm going to ask two questions. Number one, is anybody here a follower of Jesus? <clears throat> I'm going to ask you two questions. Is anybody here a follower of Jesus? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so whom he hath redeemed. I ask people once in a while, are you a Cowboys fan? Hey, I'm a Cowboy! Yeah! You more excited about convicts carrying pigskin than you are the Son of God? I'm sorry. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We have the people of God in here this morning. But my question is this, what kind of child of God are you going to be? Remember John 5? What kind are you going to be? Are you going to be the kind who searches the scriptures daily but never touches God and never experiences God? No, no. I, I don't want to be a Bible scholar. I don't want to be a Bible thumper. I don't want to be a Bible beater or a Bible reader. I want to be a man that knows God personally. I want to worship my way into the, I want to live in the presence of God and say, there he is. All right, question number two, what kind of church are we going to be? Are we going to be a church that said, boy, that brother Brian, he can preach the Bible. That is, if that's all we got, God have mercy. Our goal is not to learn the Bible. Our goal is not to be one of them. Our goal is not to be the hip church. We got disco lights. Y'all got, they got disco lights. How about if we put in a smoke machine? You think I'd get more? How about beer in the lobby? Let's bring them all in. That's not our goal. What kind of church are we going to be? The kind that learns the scriptures and obeys the Bible and lives the Bible, lives the word of God. We're going to be the kind when we come together, you, you say, tell them people, you go down there. God will be in that house when you go down there. Then people worship God and God responds to their worship. All right. You know how you ought to judge a church? I told you I'm not going to look at any more scriptures. Look here, my Bible's closed no more. Happy? <laughs> Who should you ask if God's in your church? Don't ask the preacher. Don't ask the people that go regular. Who does the Bible say you should ask? Bring an evil visitor and let them tell you whether God's in your church or not. Y'all doubt that? I'm, a, I'm liable to open it again and show you. All right, I'm not gonna, I'll just quote it to you. Look this up sometime. It's in 1 Corinthians 14. The Bible said when the church comes together, if they would seek the face of God and find it, an unbeliever will come into your midst fall on his face and declare God is in this house. Pagans should come in this place and say, there's just something in there. Somebody. One more story and I'm done. I grew up around Charlotte. There was a buddy of mine. He was raised in Thompson Orphanage. His name was uh, Ronnie Thompson. Ronnie was rough as a cob. He was, he was a great fighter, boxer and street fighter. And he was known for fighting. And me and him were buddies and we ran together. And <laughs> we got in a few messages together. He's a little bit older than me. And I loved him dearly. And uh, he just had a great personality. He became a great businessman, owned a, a printing company, and just a great guy. And I did, I'm, of course, I moved when I didn't see him for 20 years. And uh, I went back to the church I got saved in, and I was in a meeting there, and I was sitting at the table, and, and he came in, sat down. He was always a real sharp dresser. Had, you know, had them high-dollar suits and all that mess. And, and I, said, I said, what are you doing here? He said, I go to church here. I said, Why? I was just so shocked that he went to church. 
And I said, when did you start coming to church? He said, a few years ago. I said, what are you doing here? I said, why do you come here? I mean, even though we could ask people, why do you go to church? I asked him, he said, well, he said, you know, Jane, my wife, had a beautiful wife, wonderful woman. He said, she came here and she kept telling me, I want you to come to church. And he said, I, I don't go to church. And I said, I, you didn't have to tell me that. And he said, I finally agreed to come to this church. And it was a church where God was doing wonderful things at the time. So he said, I came and he said, I, I thought, get this over with. I don't care how you come, just come. But he came in, what we call it a bad attitude. That's not what I'd call it in private, but he, we'll call it a bad attitude in front of you. But he came with his arms folded and sat, and then he said, he said, Biggers, he said, I came in there, sat down, and he said, they started that, you know how silly they are with their music around here. He said, they started their music program, and he said, all of a sudden, after they sung the first, they started the second song, he said, I'm just standing here wishing this thing good. He said, I just felt something come over me. He said, something just came down on me while they were singing. And he said, I just started crying. I said, you lying. This, this man don't cry. And he said, he looked, he just said, he looked at Janie. He said, I'm crying. She said, he said, I don't cry. And he said, and he said, I turned to my wife and said, what are they doing? What's going on in here? That's exactly what I said. I turned to her and said, what's going on in here? You know what he didn't realize? This is God in this house. And they're worshiping, the people were worshiping God, drawing close to him. God drew close to them. He's sitting in there and he, the presence of God comes over him. He didn't even know what's going on with him. He didn't think God was real. And what I could not do witnessing to him over and over after I got saved, one touch from God convinced him that he's real, came over him. He began to follow God and he's as passionately crazy for God as he was the devil the other way. Guess how that happened? and worship. The people worship God and God's presence came down. We're going to worship like that in this house and the presence of God come in this house. And then you can say to your friends, I want you to come to church with me. Just, just come, just come, come, just come. I'll buy you dinner. Just come. You come into church with me, whether you like it or not, just get them in the chair. God will do the rest. That's called church. Oh, Jesus, I want to praise you and thank you. You're beautiful. When did the missing jewel of the church get stolen? When was worship taken away from your church so that we don't experience the power and presence of God in this house? Uh, we just praise you and bless you. I don't want to know about you only. I, I don't want to know Bible verses only. I want to know you personally, privately. My heart long, I seek after you privately. I don't care. I just want to know God. And I want to experience you. And I want to say he, he spoke to me. He touched me. God's close to me. And I want that for every person in this room privately. And for this place, we want this place to be what your word says it is. Not a place where we learn about you or we do our Sunday tradition. I want this to be the place where people meet you and find you. But we have to make the first move towards you. And that is to draw close to you in worship. Cause this to be the house of worship as in Solomon's temple where the presence of God comes so sweetly into this place that the musicians cannot even continue. Help people. Help people. I trust you for that. Let Jesus be glorified. In his precious name we pray. Amen.